guys. We turned out okay. The Modern Parents Guide to Old School Parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Welcome to this week's Your Child Explained episode, where we always look into the minds of our young kids. And this week's episode is a little bit more, I think, of a riff than usual, because I literally just hit stop just a little while ago with Eric Wagter, my guest from Tuesday. And Eric, if you haven't listened to it, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And I really want you to go back and give it a listen. Eric Wagter is a British, te- well, teacher, but also more of a of a trainer. He he works in training educators, social science workers, people like that. And he's actually married to a straight up teacher. His wife is is a teacher, and I do hope to have her on the show at some point as well. And they have a really interesting story because while they both, I think, were really interested in being teachers and, and educators and trainers, you know, helping helping the people who work in the kind of social sciences sector that includes teaching and social work and stuff, they, it really kind of came home to them when they had their first son, who's now 13. His name's Tim. And Tim was born with autism. And when Tim was diagnosed... He was he actually had a kind of autism that I think is sometimes seen, although maybe more rarely, um, that he he was developing normally until a certain point in his life. He got to be two and a half two two and a half. And he started to really regress. He he stopped talking. He he really he just be, you know, very much changed. He sort of uh, Eric described him as, as like almost being trapped in the in his own mind kind of unable to really get out of it. And the reason I'm, the reason that this really hit home for me, well, per, partly because to listen to Eric speak about his son and how many gains, incredible gains his son has made in the decade or so since he was diagnosed. It's just amazing. And one of the, I think one of the reasons it's really amazing is because they were told your son will never speak. Your son will never connect with other human beings. Your son will not be normal. He will never be able to grow up and live a normal life. And he he has, Eric tells that if you meet his son today, you would almost not know that he has autism. I mean, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Just to think about that. When you, when you think something so terrible sort of is a certainty, and then to learn that it's not a certainty, and, and Eric and his wife really worked hard to create the the environment to give their son so that he could he could grow into uh, this wonderful being that he is today. Um, and I, it got me thinking about this article that I read in last Sunday's Boston Globe uh, by a woman named Beverly Beckham, who she writes every week. She's always got a column in the Globe. And Beverly, if you're listening to this, I really hope to have you on the show, first of all. But second of all, um, I love your your column. And when I read it, I I just sometimes it just really really moves me and and I think about your articles like years later. And this I think is going to be one of those ones that 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 happens. It's called How Did He Dance Without Legs? And in it Beverly talks about 
her granddaughter, Lucy, who was born actually coincidentally 13 years ago or almost 13 years ago, she was born with Down syndrome. And nearly universally, everybody was like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, how sad. Oh, no, what a terrible life she's going to have. And include, I mean, doctors said that too. She'll, she, one of the paragraphs begins with these words, some things you never forget. She won't. She can't. She isn't. She'll never. People with Down syndrome are more prone to dot, dot, dot. And there was a long list, infection, heart disease, heart defects, leukemia, hearing loss, vision loss, Alzheimer's. Everything was negative, Beverly writes. And this attitude, not of friends and family who buoyed us, but of the experts and books we were given, made us afraid. What's going to happen next? Here was this beautiful new human being, but we were too worried to bask in her. And I think this is so true of not just autism and not just Down syndrome, but when our kids, when the image that we have of this perfect child that we're bringing into the world turns out to to have a flaw or to have an unexpected challenge um, or to just completely not be what we were expecting at all, the people around us, especially doctors, I think, um, might really go negative immediately. And everybody who goes, if you, if we do that, we don't ever, we don't ever think about the positive. I mean, that's really what this article is about. And, and Beverly goes on to talk about a, a guy named Matthias Buchinger. I think that's how you pronounce his name, who grew to only two feet, five inches tall, who was born without hands or feet or thighs, which I don't, I, I'm, I'm interested in that because I, I don't know how do you have the rest of your legs, but not your thighs. Anyway, he was born in 1674 and he, he is memorialized in museums. In fact, this was, Beverly writes about being at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in, Art in New York City because there's an exhibit of his work in a micrography exhibit, which is like tiny, you need a microscope to really be able to see what's in the pictures. It's calligraphy that Beverly writes was written by a man born in 1674 who had no hands or feet or thighs. And he went on, not only did he do these incredible little tiny works of micrography, but he he performed for uh, heads of state across Europe. He, he played different instruments like the oboe, the flute, the bagpipe. He danced. He did stunts. He rolled dice and he he played magic tricks. He did all these incredible things. And he didn't have hands or feet or thighs. And what I love about this article, too, is that in addition to this message that the way that we are born does not determine our outcome. That's really, for me, that's kind of the main point. The way that we are born does not determine our outcome. The, what happens to us, the events that happen to us in our lives, don't necessarily determine the outcome. And I'm calling this episode of Your Child Explained, of We Turned Out Okay, but of this Your Child Explained episode, I'm calling it The Power of Yes, because Beverly Beckham and Eric Wagner were both basically told a lot of no's. Your child will never. No, it won't. This won't happen. That won't happen. No, 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 no. And here is someone who never, it seems, wasn't, wasn't taught no, right? He was taught yes. And, and he ended up going on to achieve amazing, incredible 
things and is memorialized like 400 years later, uh, 350 years later. And I just, it really, our conversation, my conversation with Eric really made me think of that because Eric and, and his wife, Sally, basically took their son, who at three was given a lot of no's, you'll never have a normal life, you'll never be able to speak, you'll never have friends, you'll never converse, you'll never understand the power of a hug or when someone holds your hand or enjoy music or there's so many things that that Eric talks about his son being unable to kind of interact with or take in or absorb or uh, that that to look at him at 13 and to know that he enjoys music that he that he enjoys his family. He's got a four-year-old brother that he can interact with and, and love and that his he knows the joy of sitting with people at the dinner table and talking. And he knows the joy of listening to the piano and going to church and going to the grocery store and and being in society. I think that's really what it is. When when we're told no so often, it it takes us a it puts a veil between us and society. And uh, I just commend Eric and I commend Beverly and everybody who says yes instead of no. In a way, that's that's kind of, I feel like I've had some doctors and physical therapists who have helped me look at the condition that I have, which is I have this wild uh, tendon disorder, which has, you know, thrown me for a real loop these last five years. I've spent time in a wheelchair. I've spent many months unable to use my hands in any practical way. I still don't have the full use of my upper body, my arms and, and forearms. And But yet, I I published a book recently. I mean, I I started this podcast and I'm able to connect with so many people between the book and the and the podcast, and I, I stand up and tell uh, stories in a, in a for an organization called Mass Mouth. I, I got to compete in their Story Slam competition. I made it to the semifinals, and uh, I get to tell st- other stories with them in, in within the organization because I'm a teller now. And I feel like there's so many ways that I can interact and be in society, even if my limbs don't work. It's it's really a mindset thing. You know, if I can't use my hands to type, well, maybe I can use my voice. It's it's a good, I mean, that's really what, that's how I do everything. I do everything by voice. I can produce entire, like, essays. I can post things on the web. I can, I can do all of that without any clicks of my, with my hands. And um, I have a friend who had to have eye surgery recently and when I first saw her, which was pretty soon after the eye surgery, when she, she, her dominant eye was the one that was operated on. And so that one's covered up for the next several weeks. And she, her, her non-dominant eye was the only eye available to her. And that for in those first weeks, that meant headaches and, and pain and like just sad, sad things. And she really persevered when she was, when she was talking during those first weeks, she would close both eyes. Well, the other eye was always closed, but she'd close her exposed eye because that that gave the other eye rest as well. It was just so, um, and she was just really down. I mean, she, her spirits were really low. And I saw her about a week later and I was so completely impressed at the difference in her. She 
she still has his eye covered up, but her dominant eye kind of started to learn how to do what it needed to do. So she was driving again and she just, she'd recovered a lot of her spirits. And then the, the next time I saw her, I saw her most recently a few days ago and she started styling her hair so that her hair covers the, the, the eye that is covered. And it looks so cool. It, she looks like she's sort of in a comic book or something because you always see that in comic books. But in real life, people don't generally cover up their eyes with like their hair because you have to use your eyes to see. And it just, I mean, she's kind of taken this and made it like a style accessory. I don't know. I just think it's really neat. And it's its like not holding her back one bit in now. She is just, she's so happy. Um, and also, you know, her eyes getting better. So like that was a, a, a situation in which she said, okay, here's my situation. How can I give my non-dominant eye what it needs? How can I start saying yes to it? So she started closing both eyes when she didn't need that eye. And she got it the good amount of rest that it needed. And she got it, the, she, she gave it the best conditions she possibly could. And that eye responded because she said yes to it, if that makes any sense. I know that seems like a weird analogy, saying yes to your eye, but that's kind of what she did. And... I feel like this is a Your Child Explained episode where we always think about what's happening in our kids' minds. And so if your child has come up against a setback, like a teacher has said that they that your son has ADHD or, you know, uh, they want a psychological evaluation for your daughter or, uh, uh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I can think of any number of things that that a doctor or some expert is saying, no to you about your child. And I guess I'm going to ask you to think about what happens in our in their heads when we tell them when our expectations are set at no. You'll never do this. This is not something you can achieve. I think if we tell them no, then we close doors for them. If if our expectations are set at the default setting of no, we we Matthias Buckinger would never have achieved all that he achieved in his life if if the people around him gave him up when he was you know gave him up for dead basically said well sorry here's this here's this baby who's not gonna go anywhere or you know this is a worthless life and uh and they didn't do that you know and so looking into our kids heads we have to find ways to say yes because we have to make our we have to set our expectations to yes if you want to achieve this you can achieve it and i think a lot of us are doing this every day and if you are if you if you're in a situation that's a crazy situation or one where your child has been struggling and you're finding ways to say yes to set your expectation to yes i'd love to hear about it i think we'd all love to hear about it and um what i'd like to do is if i get if you know if if you're if you feel like you have a compelling story uh please send it to me let me know and i will um uh you know i hope in a future episode that i i'd like to read it out because i think that um we need to hear more of these we need we need to hear stories where expectations are set to yes like beverly's granddaughter who who with down syndrome and and who is Hopefully, you know, they're, they're looking around her and they're saying, what can you do? Yes, you have Down syndrome. What, what, you know, what can we do to make your life be the best life that it can possibly be? And like Eric Wagter, who is helping his son, who set their expectations to yes, and his son is achieving 
amazing things, you know, the things that they never thought might be possible until they started saying yes. And I think the last little point I wanted to make about this article is I want to read the last bit of it because it's just so moving to me. And it also gets into the, what was it like for Matthias Buckinger when he was a baby, right? When he was small. Beverly writes, I imagine his mother wept when he was born. Matthias was her ninth child, her eighth son. His parents were, quote, distressed at his unnatural form and, quote, concealed him as much as possible. A nephew of a friend of Buckinger's told the Dublin, Dublin Penny Journal in 1833, I imagined his parents feared for his future. Who wouldn't? And yet look at the life he lived and look at his work living still three centuries after his death. He had seven able-bodied brothers. Their work is not in a museum. He can't. She won't. These words are toxic. He can. He will. Matthias Buckinger, born without hands and feet and thighs, proves possibility. And I, I love that end because when, when our kids are little, especially if something's wrong, but I mean, if something's physically wrong, say, or if, if there's a situation like autism where there's liable to be a loudness and public kind of meltdowns and that kind of a thing, you know, these are things that you're not alone when you're weathering those things. I, and I hope, I hope you all feel that. I mean, I don't have an autistic child. And I don't have a child who was born without hands or feet or thighs. But I have had children who melt down in public. And I know what that's like. And I know the feelings of, you know, that sort of howling insecurity that we have within ourselves when we feel like something is really wrong, whether it's a meltdown public in public or whether it's, you know, throwing food at the table or whether it's a diagnosis of something debilitating, you know. And I, I think if we can remember that we are not alone, that, that, you know, we stand together. I want you to think of me the next time you're, you're feeling judged by somebody out in public, or, or if you're feeling feelings of doubt, you know, that your child maybe will ever grow up to live a normal life just because of some situation that you're having now, whether it's something that a doctor has told you or whether you're just like, you know, will they ever learn enough math to move out onto their own or whatever? Will they ever learn to read? You know, those, those, basic questions. I think everybody, a lot of people have those questions. And if we can start changing our expectations to be set at yes, because yes is such a powerful word, you know, maybe we'll end up with kids who, who, who can accomplish things that we would never have imagined. Even if that is like Eric's son, Tim, autistic son, Tim, knowing the, the, the value of someone patting you on the shoulder or giving you a hug. I mean, imagine not being able to feel those things and really understand the intimacy there, right? We we want we want all that for our children and and we can get it with the power of yes. And that is this week's Your Child Explained episode. I I hope you enjoyed it. I like I said I I started this I don't even have anything written in front of me. Um but I guess I would just except for I had this article written in front of me, but I would just end by by saying that if you feel like you got something out of this episode, I'd love it if you would share it, share it out in social media, which is word of mouth these days, or even share it by sending it to a friend. Text the link to a friend and and um, let them listen. Uh, and if you have any questions or comments, I'd love it if you would go to weturnedoutok.com slash contact. And that's, 
that's where I'll leave it, I think. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Do you have a question about something your kid is doing that is driving you crazy? Well, don't let that continue. As Gordon from Sesame Street always says, asking questions is a good way of finding something out. Put my master's degree in early childhood education and years of experience working with young children to work for you. Go to weturnedoutok.com slash contact or email me at karen at weturnedoutokay or ask your question on the Facebook fan page, which is the We Turned Out Okay podcast page or Instagram at We Turned Out Okay or on Twitter at Stone Age Techie or you can even snail mail it to me, Karen Lock Culp, P.O. Box 61, Bellingham, Massachusetts, 02019 and you'll get your question answered here on a future Your Child Explained episode. We'll see you here for the next episode of We Turned Out Okay. Thanks so much for listening.